some of you may have noticed when I walked up this morning uh, here, here to the to the podium, I'm carrying three Bibles with me this morning. My intention is to preach all three Bibles from cover to cover. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Although uh, I have, a, it's an inside joke among us pastors in the Appalachian Conference of of one uh, now deceased minister. He was a great mentor of mine, but I'll leave his name. Um, I'll leave him anonymous. And uh, it was said that one time he walked up to preach a message. He had three Bibles in his hand and he, he went to preach his message and he didn't use any of the three of them. So I don't know. That's not going to happen this morning. But it certainly is good to have you here on this Father's Day Sunday morning. Sarah and I missed being here last week. We were vacating. We were driving home. And we've been having some audio difficulties with the live stream, but we caught the larger part of the service on our drive home. No, I wasn't driving. We were being chauffeured by someone else. And Sarah and I are just riding in the back seat, just having church with you all. What a, what a phenomenal service you had last week. Nathan preached a good message, but what a great atmosphere of the Lord that is in this house this morning. And I mean, give him another hand clap of praise today. I'll ask the fellas, uh, Warren upstairs or whoever's upstairs, go ahead and bring up the PowerPoint that I have for you this morning, uh, that I, so you can follow along as I preach. But it is, it is so good to see you. Welcome home to church. It's so good for us again to be back here today. If you are here for the first time, or maybe it's been a long, long time since you've been here, fill out a connect form. You probably were given one, a little card this morning, uh, as you came in. If not, we'll make sure we'll get you one. Fill one out. Turn it in. We got a very special gift for you before you leave this place this morning. At the back door, you will find uh, Miss Haley. Uh, she she and her husband uh, co-direct Children's Church. He is working today, but she is ready to take the children out to Children's Church. Nathan and Vicky will be uh, doing Toddler's Church. So if you're between ages uh, three and eleven. Uh, we invite you to go and be a part of the children's ministries at Voice of Praise. Uh, don't anybody leave before we get done with service this morning, though, because we've got a special gift for every man. And we also uh, uh, are going to be doing a special drawing uh, this morning, so we want you to uh, have a part in that. In fact, uh, in fact, Barry, would you go back and have Scott... Uh, give every every fella in the room that's 16 and years and older to go ahead and give them the gift. I think it's important that they may have that while we are. Sarah's going to help you with that. It's important that we have the gift while I preach this message. Now, uh, my dad, uh, and I don't mean to be sob on you this morning, but we lost my dad back on January 31st. Had I known that Father's Day of 2020, had I not, if I would have known at Christmas of 2020 or any of those days that I would be spending the next Father's Day, this one, 2021, without my dad, uh, I would have said no way. Because even though he was 90 years old, he was, he was tremendously healthy. But you know what? Times and seasons change quickly on us. And what I want to do, this is not my message for today, but I do want to admonish you. I do want to urge you, if you've got your dad with you today, or if your dad is still alive, let him know that you love him. Okay? 
And I also want to admonish you, if you're here and you're like me and your your dad has gone on to be with the Lord, I just want you to take time to to remember him today and maybe do a little something to honor uh, his legacy, uh, his fatherhood to you as your dad. Because where would we be without our dads? Same thing with moms, but today is Father's Day. Where would we be without our dads? Now, uh, Scott and, and, and Barry and Brother Rife, they're all giving you, uh, they're all giving you, uh, a special gift. If you're 16 and older, we want you to have this. It'll say, boy, that's an unusual Father's Day gift, but you'll, you'll understand a little bit more about it as we continue into the, the message this morning. Now, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about some memories that I have of my dad. My, and it goes back to a time that was probably in the late 1970s. And I realize some of you in this room were not even thought about at that time. Some of you may were, maybe you were like me and you were uh, in high school. Um, but my memory carries me back into the 1970s. And, and um, I always, we grew up, my... Uh, my family, my mom, my dad, and my sister, we live right next door to my grandparents. My son now has that, my grandparents' house. Um, beautifully went in and just gutted it and renovated it. But in my day, my grandparents' house, it didn't, it didn't even have running water in it. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. It, it, it didn't have light switches in it. When, you, If you wanted to turn on a light, you had to go somewhere around the middle of the room. Except in the bedroom, my, my grandparents' bed, it had a string that come down and tied to the headboard of the bed. And if you wanted up in the middle of the night, you retch up and you pull down on that string. And if you were getting up for a particular reason, there was a... A white enamel jar about this jug, about this big around a metal bucket with a lid on it. It had a little red, uh, a little, had a little red pinstripe around the edge of the lid and it sat beside your bed if you had to turn that light on for any reason. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you're smiling. I can remember my grandparents' house very vividly. But I can remember after my grandparents, uh, after they they uh, left this world, after they passed away, I had one aunt that never married, and she has still lived at home with them in the grandparents' house. And uh, they, of course, left the home to her, and she lived there all of her life up until uh, she was 94 years old, up until just a year, uh, year and a half before she passed away. But when my aunt inherited or took the sole possession of my grandparents' house, uh, the family decided that, that she needed some uh, running water and a, and a bathroom in the house. Okay? You know, because... The only thing she had up in that point was uh, there was an old cistern pump that used to stand outside the house and a, a pipe run off the guttering down into that cistern and, and you had to go out, pour a little water down that pump and prime that thing up and pump a pan full of water out. And most of the time you stood out on the back porch in, in there and you just basically took a sponge bath. There was no shower, there was no bathtub, nothing like that. Hey, listen, you younger ones, you you that are 40 and, and younger, you all. Y'all, y'all, y'all missed it, okay? Y'all really missed it. And, and, and so, so they decided that, well, you know, that, 
They didn't want my aunt to have to walk out that path any longer. It was it was about 50 yards from the house. It was 50 yards too far in the wintertime, but 50 yards too close in the summertime. They decided that Hazel, my aunt, Hazel needed some indoor plumbing. So we, 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 we started renovating that house for, for, for my aunt Hazel and, and we, we, we started doing some different things. I can remember there's just barely enough room to get under. Some places you could. And I remember crawling under that house and using copper plumbing and help putting water in that house and a guy coming out with a trencher and, and digging a ditch and hooking her up to the town water system. Uh, and, and I remember, uh, that they decided to take one side of the the master bedroom, if you wanted to call it that, in that old house, and box in a little room. And there, would we would make a bathroom, as we call it, for my aunt Hazel. That bathroom would have a tub. That bathroom would have a commode. Can somebody say Amen? That, that bathroom would have a vanity, uh, a, a little vanity, a little cabinet, and it would have a sink with knobs. And eventually you could turn those knobs and running water would come out. You don't know what it's like until you don't have those things. Well, this project became sort of long and drawn out. And I had an uncle, uncle, and his nickname was Tooney. And Uncle Tooney, which was probably my favorite uncle by far. And I spent many, many, many days, many hours with him. He was a carpenter by trade. And we're, we're working in the, in that little room, in the, in that little room in this house, trying to build this, this small, the bathroom was, it was built, I mean like the, the, the tub was here, and then the commode sat right at the tub, and then the sink was right over in this corner. But, but, but it was still indoor plumbing, it was indoor facilities, even though it was very small. So we're in there trying to work and make all this happen, make all this plumbing work in a house that was built in 1929, and, 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 and my, my uncle, which was a carpenter by trade. He and the guy that he actually worked under, his name was a pre his name was preach, but he preached a different kind of message than we do. Preach and Uncle Tooney came out to the house one night. They come in and they were John, it was John Wayne. They come in. Y'all get out of our way. We're gonna get this thing framed up. Y'all been dragging your feet too long. It's taking too long. And boards begin to fly. Saws begin to buzz. Sawdust is all over the place. And and as they're uh y'all didn't give me one of my you didn't give me one of my own gifts. Let me borrow his. And they would go over and and preach would say, Tony, I'll plumb it and you nail it. It's set a stud. Plumb? Yeah, that's plumb. Kapow, 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 drive a nail. Move on to the next one. Plum? Yeah, it's plum. Kapow. Kapow. Drive another nail. Plum? Yeah, boy, it's plum. Drive another nail. So while all this is going on, my dad and I, we're just standing back and we're like, you know, and, and I'm not no means am I a carpenter, nor was my dad. But but as as all of this is going on, we're standing back, and and, and it's getting late. It's in the evening. It's after work hours, and 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 we're on up. It's probably nine or ten o'clock at night, and all of a sudden they get ready to set the bathtub, big old cast iron bathtub, heavy thing. Go to set that wrestle that cast iron bath had a rope tied to it, dragging that thing in. <laughs> 
Get ready to set the bathtub. And the bathtub hole was two inches out of square. Uncle Tooney looks to preach. He said, I thought you said it was plumb. Well, it was when I set the level on it. You must have nailed it up wrong. They get ready to set the vanity. Same thing. All out of, all out of square. There was a big old gap on the wall. Get ready to, get ready to put the door, you know, and the door, door's a good thing on indoor, indoor restroom facilities. Get ready to put the door, and the door was, it was, it, it was a disaster, okay? Everything was out of whack. Everything, if you would, was out of plumb. Well, how could such a thing as this happen? Well, of course, the manly explanation when things like this happens, and it being Father's Day, the manly explanation is, it's evident there was an equipment failure. It must have been a bad level. It must, the, the, the bubble was not accurate in that level. Something bad must have been wrong. It was definitely equipment failure. That's the man thing. There is no way that those two seasoned professionals could botch that job up so badly. It all had to be torn out. It had to be ripped back out and completely rebuilt. The level had to be off. There's no doubt in my mind. Something had to be wrong with that bubble. The truth of the matter is the the level in question really didn't diminish in its accuracy. It was as accurate as it had ever been. But what had happened is, in a hurried manner, and without giving close attention, what the level had indicated had been misread or misinterpreted or perhaps even completely ignored. Now I want you to turn with me, if you would, in the Scriptures to Amos chapter 7. In Amos chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, we find that Amos brings a, a uh, there's a prophetic word brought to Amos about the nation of Israel. And in Amos 7, verses 7 and 8, I'm just going to read this, these two verses and, and uh, you can go back and study this whole account of Scripture out sometime, uh, uh, you know, when in your private study, in your private time, and I urge you to do so. But Amos says, this is what what he showed me. This is what the Lord showed me. He said, the Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb. Now, this plumb is not some purple fruit you eat. Plumb means it's perfectly straight up and down. I would have given every man a plumb bob today on behalf of the church as a gift, but plumb bobs cost a whole lot more than these plastic levels. So that's why you get a level. He said, the Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb. And the Lord here has a plumb line in his hand. The Lord asked me, what what do you see, Amos? What do you see, Amos? Amos says, oh, I, I see a plumb line. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Father, we ask that you bless us through the power of your word and the message that you have given me for this day, this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've simply entitled, What Happened in the Bathroom? What Happened 
in the bathroom. Now, God has shown the prophet Amos this vision. It's a vision of a plumb line. It's it's draped along the wall of a city, upward and downwardly. And the plumb line is an illustration. We know the city wall was built plumb. It was built straight. But now God is coming back to check the plumbness of the wall. That plumb line is an illustration in this particular account in Amos. It's an illustration of of God's judgment that was to come forth on Israel. Many today in this day and time take offense when we speak of or we preach of God being a God of judgment. Now I understand sometimes where we come from and, and because of the age that I'm uh, you know, that I'm of, that, that generation that I belong to, uh, I, I remember, I remember very well that every time you would go to church and everybody, and everybody in every revival service, by the time the preacher got done, uh, preaching, everybody was going to hell and there wasn't a chance in the world that you were going to do otherwise. And we didn't hear much grace and much mercy preached, although it was, it was underlying. I, I know that because there were great men and women of God of old that preached the word. But, but, but I, I see over the last, uh, I, you know, I'm just gonna say maybe 15 or 20 years, the, the whole concept, the whole ministry of the church has shifted to nothing but, but, Mercy and grace and love. And we fail to hear anything about judgment. You know, very few people believe that there, that there, that there's a chance they will go to hell. You know why? It's because they haven't heard anybody preach on hell. You know, because that, that is, that is where, that's where we learn. That's where we're taught through the word. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, and I'm not here to preach a, a, a message of gloom and doom and nothing but judgment this morning. But what I want to preach to us is that we must remember that God is a rightful God. He says, He describes Himself as being a just God, a righteous God. And because He is righteous and just in all His ways, the plumb line represents the disciplines that we would particularly refer to as the law of God because this is occurring in the Old Testament. This is occurring Pre, the pre-incarnate Christ before Jesus came in the flesh to be our 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 our, our, uh, our, our sacrifice, our perfect sacrifice. So the plumb line represents the disciplines that we typically refer to as the law or the Old Testament. But let me tell you something. I want you to know this: God is a just God. He is a righteous God. He is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. But He is also a God of judgment. And in that, when you study Scripture and you study some basics of Scripture, you find that because God is a God of righteousness and God is a God of judgment, God never brought His righteous judgment to any generation without first giving them the opportunity to repent. 
And that still is true, even in as we begin to flesh out, as we call it, or we begin to research the New Testament. So God is a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He is God of love. And even, but even in that, He is a merciful, just, loving God of righteous judgment that gives all of us a place and space to repent. So each of us, when we consider ourselves. I'm glad that we don't live under necessarily under the rule of the commandments. Now the Ten Commandments don't misunderstand me. They still have place and they still have purpose. And when we study the New Testament we we find out that it's that the commandments are referred to as the schoolmaster. They are the commandments are the things that brings us to a moral conscience. They they the the, the Old Testament and the law and the and the principles of God are the things that bring us to consciousness of of right and wrong and the difference between good and evil and the 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 bad and the ugly and 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 we can discern what we shouldn't and shouldn't be doing with a moral conscience and then then the Holy Spirit uses that and the Holy Spirit works in our lives and He brings us under conviction and when the Holy Spirit brings us under the conviction it's then that we can and will be saved if we will yield ourselves unto the Spirit of God but without knowing without knowing that. There's no way we will ever be saved. And there's no way to be saved except that the Spirit draw us. So I'm thankful that we no longer live under the law. We do live in the dispensation of grace. I know you're grateful for that. However, we are we are called to serve not necessarily the law of Moses as it would, but we are called to live under the law of grace. Now, the law of grace, if you would, is the, the grace that we find in the New Testament. And, 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 and it is every, every bit, every jot and every chit, every tittle from Genesis to, to, uh, somebody said it, it, it was from, uh, it was from Genesis to Revolution. I heard a guy say that the other day. He said, we're so ignorant sometimes to the Word of God. He said, we say it's from Genesis to Revolution. But it's from Genesis to Revelation. The Word of God is complete. And it's it's undefiled. And it's inerrant. It's divine. It's inspired of, of, of the Holy Spirit. It is the Scripture. It's the Word of God for us. So before us, there is a plumb line. Now, I gave all you fellas in the in the sanctuary this morning. You, you got a little yellow level. And it works. And it's good. And... and and I, I'll just tell you, let me see that again, Heath. I, I want to tell you what I did. It's got shop works on it, but I want to tell you where I bought these. I found a deal in I ordered them from Napa. These things are not only yellow levels, but they're full of Napa know-how. If you ever saw the commercial. So, but, but I want to tell you, and they do work and they're effective. When you hang your wife's pictures, you can have them straight up this way and you can have them straight across that way. If you do a, if you do a remodel of the bathroom, it's now expected that if the tub will fit and the vanity will fit and the sink will fit and the door will close. Amen. But but there is a level and there is a plumb line. In other words, there is a standard. The, the level that I gave out this morning to the gentleman, it actually is a standard. It is a standard of measurement, if you would. It is a standard of plumb, if you would, of trueness. But there is one, let me tell you, you can beat that level hard enough and you can make that little bubble of oil split and separate and it will be no good from that point on. But I want you to know that there is a level of standard that 
that is brought forth in this book that is called the Word of God that cannot be separated, cannot be divided, and it will not go bad, it will not expire, it will not run out, and it therefore is the standard that we are called to live by as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in this New Testament age of mercy and grace that we live in. There is still a righteous God that has a righteous Word, and this is the measuring stick, this is the plumb bob, if you would, that we find ourselves in comparison to. When we think about the Word of God, I think about two instances of what Jesus shared. The plumb line that we have is before us. It's the Word of God. You may not have it in, in, in bonds of leather, but most of you got it carrying it around in your pocket or some form or some fact. We were in our life group this morning that we sat in. Uh, there wasn't the three of us in the life group had a paper Bible. I felt old-fashioned. Everybody else was getting out and doing their Bible on their phone. But whether the Word of God is on a, a telephone, an iPad, or, or if it's in between uh, leather, or if it's like some of these that says that it, it's, it's it's uh, genuine fake leather. Whatever it is, it's still the Word of God. And the Word of God is our measuring point. And Jesus said this in John's Gospel. Jesus is recorded as saying, I come to give you life that you would have life more abundantly. You see, He didn't come to oppress us. You see, when we think about judgment, we think of judgment as being oppressing. But judgment is not oppressing at all. You see, judgment is judgment is God wanting His very best for us. Judgment is God wanting everything that we have for us, He has for us. And I'm going to touch on that a bit more in just a second. And when I read Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 18 and 14, Jesus also said, it is not, it is not not my will that any should perish. So, so, so judgment in the righteousness of God and, and in His fullness of the person that He is is not meant for our harm, but rather it is meant for our good. All He asks of us is that we give Him honor and we give Him glory and we give Him praise and we worship Him and we allow Him to become Lord or ruler over our lives and we are submissive to Him. That's not hard. In fact, it's pretty easy. You know, what a deal. But because God is just, because God is just, He has given us this word for our benefit. I'm going to give you, there's many, but I'm just going to give you three this morning. There, there, here, I want to give you three illustrations of how God wants to bless us through the power of His word. The first one I want to, to share with you is God wants to, He gave us the word to reveal the one true God. I engaged in a conversation with a young man. Uh, I shared this briefly a few weeks ago. And that young man said that he believed there were many gods. He said, oh yeah, I believe in the God you believe in. I believe in Jesus. But he said he's just one of many gods. Well, in the sense if you want to use it with a little g. Let me, let me ask you this. This is a pet peeve of mine. If you don't put up a Christian post, number one, if you don't put up a Christian post on social media, don't you put up no cussing posts five minutes later. Don't you put up some vulgar post five minutes later. Mm-hmm. Because out of the same fountain can't come sweet and bitter water. Okay? But let me say this to you this morning. When, when, when you put up, 
when you, whether you're putting up a social media post or you're just writing something, I don't know, this, this, this is a literature lesson at this point this morning. Let me chase this rabbit for just a second. But what I want to say to you is understand, when you see God spelled and it has a capital G on the front of it, that is speaking of the one, the true, the living God. Jehovah is His name and He is the God of all gods. He's the God of the universe. He's the creator and the maker of all things. Now, if you're referring to some uh, Greek god as we call, they call them and, and some uh, uh, mythological god, you go ahead and you use your little g in front of it. But let me tell you what, there is only one God. There's only one that lived and died on a cross and was buried in a tomb and rose again in three days. And then a few days following, he identifies himself to his followers. And then a few more days, he sends to the right hand of the Father and he's sitting there still making intercession for you and I. And he said, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send you a helper. And his name is the Holy Ghost. And he sends the Holy Ghost to us that we may keep us. And between the Holy Ghost and the Word of God... We have everything we need to succeed in being a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And we have everything we need to make heaven our home and to shine all of the torments of hell. Let me tell you something. The plumb line is before us. And the plumb line will reveal to us if we will use it, if we will study it, if we will read it, that that, that there is only one true God. The revelation of Scripture will become alive in in our life. And let me tell you something. If you have never heard it preached, you've never heard it taught, or you've never had somebody read it to you, whatever form you've received it, if you have if you have never absorbed the word of God in some capacity, there's no way that you can really comprehend who God is. That's why you need the Word of God. That's why we must have the Word of God. The second thing that happens with our plumb line. Our plumb line. The next thing is, it'll lead us to salvation. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. How can a man man be saved unless he first hears? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the, The Word of God will lead us into salvation. The Word of God will bring us into the, to the, to the plan of the Lord Jesus Christ. It reveals the Word of God. Let me tell you something. Uh, we, we've got, uh, in our house, my wife over at her, we got two, two, uh, sinks in our bathroom at home. And, and her sink, she's got this great old big mirror. About four foot wide. And then right behind her, we've got a closet door that's mirrors. So she can see herself coming and going. Okay. And then over on the, over on that little, and I got this little old bitty sink, and I got a little old bitty mirror. And in my little bitty mirror, that's where I have to do my hair, brush my teeth, anything else I want to do, you know, you know, you know, when you get my age, you have to do stuff like shave your ears and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, you know. But nevertheless, they both show us, us, both of us, those mirrors give us a good reflection of ourself, of who we are. You see, nobody in this room has ever seen yourself. Do you realize that? You've never seen yourself. Now, you might see your hand, or you might see your feet, 
But but you've never seen yourself. You've, yourself being your face. You've never seen yourself. You see, when you look in a mirror, you're not seeing yourself. You're seeing a reflection of yourself. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But but there is there is power in the Word of God. There is power to bring you in, to show you, and let you see yourself, and let me see myself. My Lord Jesus, I'm out of running out of time quickly. But but it brings us the Word of God. The standard will bring us unto salvation because it will allow us to see ourselves. There was a point in time that I had to recognize and realize that I need a Savior, and it was the standard of this Word that brought me into that realization that I needed to be saved. I needed to be born again. I needed to surrender my life to Jesus. Number three, how to understand and live a godly life. Let me tell you something. For a long time, I kept telling Jesus, I'd say, Jesus, I'll get saved when I know I can be a Christian. I'll get saved when I know I can live like a Christian. You know what? It's not in you, it was not in me to know how to live like a Christian. The only way that you can live like a Christian and be a Christian is through the, the birthing, the new birth of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and then applying yourself to the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to direct your life, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict your life. Listen, if I could live like a Christian, I wouldn't need Jesus anyway. And neither would you. You can't live good enough. You can't be good enough. I can't be good enough. I can't live good enough. But the only way that we can be saved apart from is, is parting from our own works and looking to Jesus. We must be born again by the blood and by the Spirit of the living God. And to do, in order to do that, the Word brings us into that place. And that's how we will come to live a godly life. Fourthly, the Word of God will teach me how to serve the Lord. Because it's more than just being saved, but it's serving the Lord. Because if somebody is... And I use that word Lord quite a bit. But if if He is my Lord, then I'm His servant. My grandson, we finally got to see him play baseball yesterday. First game this year, we got to go watch him play baseball. And I was tickled to death. He he got on base. Well, he, he hit one fly out, I think. Or he, he got thrown out. And then, but then he got on base two, three more times, I think. And I was, we, we were really tickled about it, you know, and as all grandparents are and and, uh, you know, but when we begin to think about us pleasing the Lord, my grandson can please me playing a good baseball game. Now, I love him just the same whether he plays baseball or not, but he pleased me by playing a good baseball game. You see, the Lord loves you. Whether you play baseball or not. But you please him when you start making base hits. You please him when you start catching fly outs. You, you please him when you start, when you, when you, when you nail the guy when he's coming into home plate. You, you get my drift? So the scripture teaches how to serve the Lord and, and how to walk with him. I gotta hurry up. I don't have to rush through this. But here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy, which is the devil, Satan, as he's better known to some people, the enemy wants to distort the image of who God has created you to be. You see, he wants to, that, the, the enemy wants to tell you you're a nothing and you're nobody and you're hopeless and you're helpless and, and you, you're, you're, you're you just really don't amount to a whole lot. That's that's the enemy. T- he wants to distort your image. But I want you to understand this. When I study the Word of God, I find that every one of us, that includes you, 
me and you. Every one of us are made in the image and likeness of God. That's pretty important stuff. That's big stuff. You are made in the image and likeness of God. God wants you to, you are, every one of us are in some ways we're sort of like Him because we're in the image and likeness of God. The part that we struggle with is that we're fleshly because of the fall of our forefather that was named Adam, not that one back there, but Adam that was in the garden. And because of that, our, our, our image is, uh, became distorted and Satan and still trying to distort our image. He tells us you're hopeless. He tells you you're, 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 you're without cause. He tells you you're without remedy. You can't be fixed. He tells you there's no hope for you. He wants to distort your image. He wants to steal your inheritance. Because He knows everything that God has for you is good. That song we sang. You are good. Good. Everything about God is good. Even His righteous judgment is good. Okay? Everything about God is good. He wants to steal your inheritance. He wants to distort your image, steal your inheritance. And then what he wants to do, and, and he succeeded this in many ways. I, I believe somehow, this my opinion, I believe somehow that, that Satan knew if he could deceive Adam and Eve, somehow I believe he knew, he knew something would happen. But, but after Adam and Eve fell, we find that God went there and he drove them, the scripture says, out of the garden. You see, the enemy would like to drive you for out of the dwelling place that God has given you to dwell in. God has so much for you, you can't imagine what He has for you. You, you, you could start writing down whatever comes to your mind and you, you, you can't, you can't even begin to touch everything that God has for you. Not only in this dimension of life, but in life eternal. You can't imagine what God has for you. And what Satan would like to do is to remove you from that dwelling place. He would like to take from you and rob from you. And you see, we find that in the scripture because it says that the devil come but to do nothing but to kill, steal, and destroy. Hang with me for just a couple more minutes, would you? So we must have a standard. We must have a standard. There can only be one standard. The standard is not mine. The standard is not yours. The standard is not... Let me speak to something right here. We we live in a we live in a time when relative the the uh, the matter of relativism is is very very prominent in the society we live in. And I'm here. Listen, I appreciate the youth. I think our, I think the church is in great hands of our youthful leaders. And when I'm speaking of youth, I'm speaking of of uh, under forty years old. But but here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about in the realm of relativism. I watched a video not long ago, a few months ago. And, and in this in this video, it was a guy, he was going out and he was interviewing different students at college campuses. I'm not picking on college students this morning. But they, he began to ask some questions. Well, well, it, it was just simple questions like, it's, uh, you know, why, 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 uh, why do you think yellow is yellow? And they said, well, it doesn't have to be yellow. They said, that can be green. It's just whatever's relative to you, you know, whatever you relate to. Uh, I give this illustration all the time. Uh, you know, why does it two plus two equal nine? You know, uh, none of us would probably argue that fact in the room, but, but we live in a world and a society that's given over to relativism. If it don't relate anymore, it's, it's like, and you know, we're hearing this terminology cancel culture right now all around us. If it doesn't 
doesn't relate to you, then we just, if you don't believe it's there and you just, it's, it's like it just disappears. It's not even there, you know. It's, it, it's like some type of mental mind warp, if you would. But understand, there is on, there has to be a standard. Two plus two is a standard. It is immovable. It is unchangeable. Two plus two will never equal anything but four. It will never equal nine. It will never equal ten. It will never equal, equal fifty-two. Two plus two is always going to equal four. Now, in the, in the sense of a standard, a moral standard, and a spiritual standard for the world and for Christians, for believers in the world, it's this Word of God right here that I hold in my hand. It's unchanging. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's a standard that will never, ever, ever change. You see, a measuring device, and we got a few people that work in machine shops and, and some carpenters and things in this room this morning, but, but a measuring device... There is not a measuring device that you can find anywhere, especially if it's in a low-tolerance environment. And I worked for a number of years for a company that was nothing but a glorified machine shop. And we had close tolerances and where you had just thousands of inches of tolerance. And you would go back into our tool room and all of the tools, all of the calipers, the micrometers, the, the slide rules, even the tape measures, they had to have a sticker on them by some guy that was in charge that they had been put into calibration or they had been calibrated. And they would, they would have to go to one place, one one room we called the tool room, and they had one machine that would calibrate the mics, one machine that they calibrated the, uh, the slides. And, and, and everything had to go back to that same standard to be calibrated. Because if they weren't, you could have, you could have a bunch of different quote unquote standards. But when there's more than one standard, in reality there's no standard at all. So we must hold fast to the Word of God. It must be our truth. It must be our standard. You know, if we're going to know that something is right. There's a place, I've never been to it. Dave Lester probably has. He's been everywhere. Big Dave, or little Dave, not big Dave. But there's a place that I read about. It's called the U.S. Naval Observatory, Time Services Department. Uh, it's in Washington, D.C., and there, there is a play, there is a device that is called the Master Clock. I never heard of it. I thought Big Ben was the Master Clock over in London, but in Washington, D.C., the United U.S. Naval Observatory Time Services Department. There is a master clock. I looked up. You can Google this on the internet. Look it up. It's it's massive. There's it's a bunch of clocks all together. It's essentially a 50 year old massive grandfather clock hid somewhere in Washington D.C. But it's held accountable. Every tick off of that clock is accounted for. Now my wife has a bad habit. A messing with me. You get in one of our vehicles to drive down the road. I was getting ready to do our drive time this morning and I said, Oh, it's so and so time. She said, Oh no, it's uh all the clocks in our car are at least five minutes fast. She does that so she makes sure she gets there in time. But just because my wife sets the clock five minutes fast doesn't mean that she's changed time. It just means she's faking herself out and wants to get there early. 
This clock that sets up in Washington, D.C. So I read in, in some of the research I was doing on it this week, it, it, it's an immovable standard. It, it, it clicks the same amount of clicks and, and it, every day, every week, every year. And, and it's so precise and it, it is based on the rotation of the world and the trips around the sun and all that stuff that I don't really understand all about. But what I was reading, it, I found out that said that if the, if the earth varied in its rotation and its orbit, if it varied as much as two seconds, it would be catastrophic to the earth. So even though that clock is there, that clock is the standard, it's the standard for the one that's at the back of this sanctuary, that's an atomic clock. It's, you know why your cell phone is always right? It's because it's somehow connected. It's connected to a standard. You see, and, and because it's connected to a standard, right now on your iWatch, everybody should be, should have 12 o'clock, but don't get upset, I'm almost through. But it's a standard. And so is this. It's not changing. It's not outdated. It doesn't expire. It's ongoing. And it's a standard by which we should live. So what happened in the bathroom? So what happened in the bathroom? The Word of God is the plumb bob. But what happened in that bathroom? Back 45 years ago. Thereabouts. What happened in that bathroom? Well, quite frankly, Uncle Tooney and Preach... They just flat out messed up. They just flat out messed up. They were in a big hurry to get it done. They were not giving attention to what they were doing. And they just messed up. And I've already told you what happened. They tore everything out. And had to do it over. Now, let me tell you something. That's not pleasant. I painted cars. For, you know, I, I did body shop for a number of years. And as painting body man, I'll tell you this. There is nothing worse than having to paint one over. We call it licking your calf over, you know. There is nothing that is much worse than that. I hate, I hated when I was doing, I hated if I had to paint one over. And it happened from time to time. Cause some crazy mosquito or bird would get in the paint room or something and just mess it all up. Or maybe I messed it up. Maybe I did something wrong. Uncle Tooney and, uh, and Preach Phillips, what happened in that bathroom is they just got reckless and they got careless. And they had to tear everything back out. Now that they had the standard with them, it was a, I remember it dis- distinctly. It was a four foot level. It was a big level. How did they mess that up? I don't know. <laughs> they were in a big hurry. They weren't paying attention. They just messed up. And it, and it ended up we had to come. They had to go in there. Of course, that was my job because I was a kid. You know, I had to be the one to go in there and take a crowbar and a hammer after they had done nailed that thing full of sixteen penny nails. Because there wasn't screws and stuff like that used back then like there is now. And I had to tear all that back out the second time. Just so it could be fixed right. 
But you know what? Here's the good news. Because I want to end this on a high note for you. The good news is that all of the mess up was torn out of place. It was ripped. Some of the, some of those two before studs were busted up and, and different things. Some of them had to be thrown in the trash. But you know what? Everything got ripped back out and everything got put back in right in the proper place, in the proper time, in the proper manner. With attention given to the standard. And after it was all put back together and attention given to the standard, guess what happened? The bathtub fit. The vanity fit. The door would close and open without any problems whatsoever. You see, when the standard was given attention to and the standard was followed, everything else fell in place. You know, sometimes you're like Uncle Tooney and preach. Sometimes I'm like Uncle Tooney and preach. Sometimes I get in a big hurry, I get in a big tussle, and and, and I, I fail to give God the time that I need to give Him. I fail to pay attention to what He says to me, and I, I fail to give heed to it. And then all of a sudden, I find myself in a big mess where the tub don't fit, the vanity, pardon my English, the vanity don't fit, and the door won't close. And then I have to just say, well, i got to lick this calf over, I tear it out, I go back to the standard, and I say, oh God, help me to rebuild this thing one more time. Help me to do it your way. Help me to put it together like you'd want it to put together. And guess what? When I turn to the standard, the tub fits, the vanity fits, and the door will close. So God's calling us to His Word. He's calling us to Him that we may serve Him. only thing He's asking us to do is turn back. In the prophet Isaiah, He said, I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Pay attention to that. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. He's talking about blind people. He said, these things, these are the things I will do and I will not forsake them. I want you to know God has nothing in plan for you but success if you will turn to Him and yield to Him and you will allow Him to be the standard in your life. But that choice is yours. Uncle Tooney and Preach, they could have slowed slowed down and took their time. and They could have done it right the first time, but they messed up. But thank God for second chances. Thank God for a few more studs out on the front porch that you could saw to length, even though you just tore some all to pieces. Thank God. Thank God for second chances. Thank God for mercy and grace. Righteousness and Judgment is coming. But thank God right now for His mercy and grace. And that He is the God of second chance.